Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. All right. Well, they say that any publicity is good publicity, and generally that is the case, especially in a business like the one we're in, Al's brother. But being associated with you, my friend, these days, a little bit poisonous for one's reputation on overdrive, extensive conversations about the cooler that you are on as far as betting on the NFL, and my name was dragged into the fold. The grappler, Keith Bauer, also now being associated with you, Al's brother, it's a little dangerous, but we need to put some winners on the board, and we have some great insight from some great analysts that wrote the program tonight. Eric Cohen, the Big E from TSN Edge, is going to join us in about 30 minutes' time. Jonathan Van Tobel, one of my favorites from VEASAN Live down in Vegas. He joins us in about 12 minutes, but Al's brother, let me give you the floor. You didn't really have much of a floor on overdrive this evening. Tough, tough loss for you last night for your Chicago Bears, plus three and a half. Did not come through. The O-Dog may need to live at your house in Niagara Falls shortly, my friend. What do you have to say? Can we also just talk about how Matt Nagy and the Bears (laughs) and Bill Lazor should have kicked the field goal Instead of going for it on fourth and nine there, where they could have got the three points and then just used, allow their defense, who was doing a pretty good job stopping Minnesota, try and force a three and out, get the ball back, and then they just have to kick another field goal and take the game to overtime. Instead, they go for it on fourth and nine within field goal range, turn the ball over, and now you're forced to try and stop them anyways and get a touchdown. It was just maddening. If they would have got that field goal, Bears would have covered. Well, if you recall, on Friday's show, we did a segment called Meaningful Stat or Meaningless Number. And one of the stats we debated, if they were meaningful or meaningless, was the Kirk Cousins 0-9 on Monday Night Football. I argued it was meaningful. It is a stat that illustrates at the moments and the games where all eyes are on you, you wilt, you fold. And somehow, Kirk Cousins finally came up with a pretty quality performance. And on the other side, Nick Foles and the Chicago Bears did not. Al's brother, let's get to it. It's time to win. Grab a pen, a pad, and mark my words. Let's move on from those two dreadful teams on Monday Night Football, the Bears and the Vikings, to an awesome Thursday nighter ahead in Week 11. It's the battle for the top of the NFC West. It's the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, who has been struggling a little bit in the last couple of weeks, they host the Arizona Cardinals, who are coming off the win of all wins, the Hale Murray, of course, Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. Now, the Seahawks... Three-point favorites with the over-under listed at 58 points. And Al's brother, let me get you. Let me get your take on the spread in this one because the last time these two ta- these two teams played, 25 days ago, it was a thrilling game, 37-34, a, a game-winning kick at the end of overtime by Zane Gonzalez of the Cardinals. How do you expect this one to play out? Because these two teams, unreal offensively, their defense leaves a little bit to be desired. Which two teams? So I was pulling up the, the next thing. Sorry. Well, yeah, who needs to be prepared? <laughs> but the Cardinals and the Seahawks, I'm talking about, of course, right. Thursday Night Football. Yeah, the Thursday Nighter, this, this is going to be an interesting game. And I, I 
early leans say you should probably go with the Cardinals just because of how well they're playing. Because for whatever reason, it seems like Russell Wilson's in a bit of a funk right now, and he's really the only guy who can get it going. And without Chris Carson, that team just has not been the same. And uh, not sure if he's going to be in this week, but it's it's early leans indicate I'm probably going to go with the Cards again. I think we are going to see Chris Carson this week. That's what Adam Schefter intimated in his reporting over the weekend. And we talked about that stat about Kirk Cousins on Monday nights. Well, I have another stat that is very similar. Russell Wilson, in his career on Thursdays, is 8-1. and one, And he has won his last eight starts on Thursday night. So if you liked the Kirk Cousins 0-9 stat on Monday Night Football, you will love the Russell Wilson 8-1 and one career stat on Thursday Night Football. Not only that, in his career, in primetime games, that is 7 o'clock or later, Russell Wilson, a 764 win percentage. That is the second best amongst starting quarterbacks all time. So when the lights shine brightest, Russell Wilson shows up and... Unfortunately for you, Al's brother, last night that did not, that's that in a different vein, an opposite vein, did not work for Kirk Cousins. So, of course, top of the NFC West is an unbelievable, unbelievable um, showdown so far. So you're looking at the Cardinals, who are 6-3. and three. You're talking about the Seahawks, who they play against the Cardinals this week, are 6-3. and three. And the L.A. Rams are 6-3. and three. And this game for the Seahawks, I would argue, is a little bit more meaningful for them because if they lose... Again, on Thursday, they've already lost to the Cardinals. They lose the head-to-head tiebreaker, meaning they'd effectively be two games back in the standings. And if you look at the odds to win the NFC East, Seattle's still the favorite, not surprising, considering they are three-point favorites to win the game on Thursday. But, uh, I mean, I can't wait to see how this division plays out. And another thing I'm excited to see how it plays out is a brand-new segment designed by you, Al's brother, Why don't you hit our fresh new sting for said segment? Trying to set up your lineup? Who to start, who to keep, and who should take a hike? This is Sit, Start, or Sayonara on the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. That sounds good right here. Oh, Christoph Mamona has crafted yet another magnificent sting for us here on TSN 1050. It is sit, start, or sayonara. And I'm going to hand you the reins, Al's brother. Explain how we play this game and lead us off. So essentially, uh, if you've ever played uh, Bleep, Mary Kill, it is very much fam- the, family show, buddy. Family <laughs> very show. much the same except fantasy football version. So we each uh, we're going to go through three quarterbacks, three running backs, and three wide receivers. You got to choose which one you want to start, which one you would sit, and which one you're saying sayonara to. Uh, so we got three quarterbacks, and that's where we're going to start things off here. So I'm going to give you three QBs. You tell me okay. which one you're going to put in which uh, order here. So we've got Jameis Winston coming in relief for Drew Brees, taking on the Atlanta Falcons. you got Kirk Cousins coming off a big Monday nighter for himself against the Dallas Cowboys. And you got the Rook Tua Tagovailoa taking on the Denver Broncos. Who you starting? Who you sitting? Who you saying sayonara to? Okay, well, I'm starting Kirk Cousins for sure. You saw some of the prolific offense, offensive weapons he has. Justin Jefferson's an absolute stud, the rookie uh, who's been a beast for him. Adam Thielen, that unreal touchdown. Uh, I think that offense is poised to put up some big numbers against an absolutely pitiful Dallas secondary. So I'm definitely starting Kirk Cousins. I'm going to sit Jameis Winston, 
And I think you could see some decent fantasy football production from Winston. I think the matchup helps against Atlanta. But Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Emmanuel Sanders, there's no shortage of quality options in that New Orleans offense. I just question how much Sean Payton will give him the reins and allow him to take chances downfield. And I'm also concerned about Taysom Hill, who could get definitely get some snaps and take some red zone opportunities away from Jameis Winston. And I'm sitting Tua, I'm, I'm saying sayonara to two, I should say, because they're in Denver. The weather, it will be inclement. It looks like I looked at the forecast. Uh, could be very windy and very cold, perhaps some snow in the forecast as well. Tua isn't putting up crazy fantasy numbers. They're winning. They're 3-0 with Tua as quarterback, but I don't think fantasy-wise that's a match for me. How about you, Oz brother? Yeah, I'm also uh, saying sayonara to Tua there going up against Denver, which is, of the three quarterbacks, it's the toughest uh, pass defense of the three. And he hasn't really set the world on fire, kind of like Burrow and Herbert has. He does give a little bit of rushing ability, which is kind of what made this uh, me think about who I wanted to get rid of. But saying sayonara to Tua, I am sitting Kirk Cousins against the Cowboys. Uh, Mm. I think this Vikings offense just runs through Dalvin Cook, and Dalvin Cook is just going to run all over this team. They're going to be up. Which means you're going to keep running the ball, and I don't see Kirk Cousins uh, being able to throw too too much. So I'll probably sit him. Which means I'm starting Jameis Winston here against the Falcons, the worst worst passing defense in the entire league, giving up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Keep in mind, last year he threw for over 5,000 yards, averaged over 20 fantasy points per game with the Bucks. Look, he's a bad quarterback in real life, but he's a great quarterback. He was number 5 QB last year in fantasy. And let's be honest, he's just going to play check down to Kamara all night long, and that's going to turn out to be some pretty solid points here for Jameis Winston. So I'm starting him. Okay, let's look at running backs, and we have three running backs to discuss. Let's start with Salvon Ahmed of the Miami Dolphins, the breakout star of Week 10. We have Zeke Elliott, who is a perennial top five pick, Top five pick in fantasy football, and Clyde Edwards Alaire, who another guy who was a top seven, top eight pick. Who are you starting? Who are you sitting? And who are you saying sayonara to? Yeah, I'm going to start Zeke Elliott here. You're just not going to sit Zeke. He's a guy you probably took in the first round. You can't even afford to. He's coming off of a bye, so he should be rejuvenated. The offensive line is getting a little bit healthier. And if you're a little bit upset because of what he's done as of late. Don't be. It's been a really tough schedule. Uh, the last four games heading into the bye against Arizona, Washington, Philly, and Pittsburgh, all ranked top 10 fantasy defenses against running backs. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I'm saying sayonara too. His usage has done, gone down drastically. Uh, not something I want to be a part of. And Salvin Ahmed, actually, I am going to be sitting Averaging 4.4 yards per carry over the past couple of games. Gaskin and Jordan Howard both cut from the team out. He saw 84% snap counts. So I'll sit Ahmed and give him a couple more weeks and see what he can do before I start him. Yeah, my man, I'm starting Ahmed this week. I think that this is a guy who's the bell cow for the Miami Dolphins, not only for this week, but possibly for the rest of the season. And you mentioned the 21 carries, the 85 yards and a touchdown. He ran 15 pass routes as well, so he's a versatile weapon out of the backfield for Miami. I'm starting him because I believe he has a lot of upside. Zeke, I'm not so optimistic about and I used my third overall pick on Zeke in my big fantasy league. He's been nothing short of a disappointment. I think Tony Pollard is going to get mixed in there, and I 
also think they're going to be trailing from the outset against the Minnesota Vikings. So I am sitting Zeke, and I'm saying sayonara to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with Le'Veon Bell in the fold. Just the amount of volume is not commensurate with uh, the other two guys that we previously mentioned. Let's wrap with the wide receivers, and we're going to make it simple. The three big boys for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're talking about Antonio Brown. We're talking about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Who are you starting? Who are you sitting? Who are you saying sayonara to? I'm going to sit Antonio Brown. I'm going to start Chris Godwin. I'm saying sayonara to Mike Evans because he's going to have Jalen Ramsey shutting him down all Hmm. game long. I think I'm going to somewhat of a similar vein. I'm starting A.B. I've been really impressed with uh, the volume that he's getting from Tom Brady, which isn't surprising. Tom Brady loves A.B. I am going to sit Mike Evans. I'm not going to say sayonara to Mike Evans, who's a stone-cold, lethal weapon in the red zone. And I'm also saying sayonara to Chris Godwin. Um, in a tough matchup against the Rams, whose pass defense is certainly up to snuff. Great segment, House brother. I think a big thumbs up from the radio audience. I know you. I think uh, you did a great job coming up with it. So congratulations. Hopefully, many more in the future. Coming up next, Jonathan Van Tobel. We head down to Vegas for the latest on the lines in Week 11 in the NFL, and also the NBA draft tomorrow night. I'm seeing some big-time value. We'll see if Jonathan Van Tobel agrees when he joins us next on The Edge. So ever since we had our next guest on the program about a month ago, I've been tuning into his podcast, his radio show, The Edge, on VEASAN Live down in Las Vegas on the Daily, and they get into all of the good stuff including wagering on the NBA draft, which you can hear on TSN 1050 tomorrow night. Let's welcome him in. It's Jonathan Van Tobel from VEASAN Live. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. We're getting pumped for the NBA draft, and the Raptors don't draft till the very end of the first round. We won't concern ourselves with the wagering on that one, but let's look at the top of the NBA draft, my friend, and I'm seeing some real value here because I believe Anthony Edwards is going to go first overall, and yet the sports books aren't necessarily reflecting that. I'm seeing plus money on Edwards to go number one. What is your take on who goes number one? And we know it's Edwards, LaMelo Ball, perhaps James Wiseman. Where are you putting your wagers as far as the number one overall pick in tomorrow night's draft? Yeah, if you can find a plus price on Edwards, uh, that's pretty good, man. Uh, considering there's a lot of other books who have him, you know, he's still an underdog to go with that first overall pick, but it's very slight about minus 112 compared to minus 115 to LaMelo Ball. But I'm with you. Look, at some spots, like a couple of months ago, he was as high as minus 250, Edwards was, to go with the first overall pick. But last week, we get reports that the Pistons want to move up to go get LaMelo Ball. We have yet to see that move. I think a lot of these teams at the top, whether it is going to be the Timberwolves, whether it's going to be the Warriors, they want to move out of those selections. And that would change things, but it's just a weak draft, and I don't think teams want to really move. So I'm of the mindset, if the Minnesota Timberwolves are with the first overall pick by the time we get uh, to tomorrow, they're going to draft Anthony Edwards. He's a roster fit for them. He makes much more sense than LaMelo Ball and pairing him up with D'Angelo Russell because that could be like one of the worst defensive backcourts you've ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense that Edwards is going to be the top overall pick if it's Minnesota. So I would agree with you, and there is value considering he was as high as minus 250 in some spots about two weeks ago. And I'm seeing value, Jonathan, on the draft pop of LaMelo Ball over two-and-a-half draft position. And whenever this these types of props get discussed, they're a little bit confusing. Basically, that means if you take over two-and-a-half, 
he would have to be taken third or later to cash. Now, that bet is also paying plus, play, paying plus money. LaMelo ball over two and a half draft position. And I think if Edwards goes first, which is where we're both at, James Wiseman probably going to the Warriors at two. That seems like another quality wager, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Look, when it comes to LaMelo Ball and what's going on with him and like where this is going to lie, two and a half is over that. A plus 190 is one that I was looking at as well. I think Wiseman, he's been tied to the Golden State Warriors forever now, and that's going to be the number two overall pick. And I think then you get to Charlotte, and this is what's intriguing about LaMelo Ball, not only betting him over the two and a half, if you can get some good numbers on him going fourth overall, because think about it with Charlotte, right? I don't think he's a fit for Charlotte in terms of their roster. Charlotte, of course, has invested a lot in their backcourt, whether it's going to be Terry Rozier, who they paid for, Devontae Graham, who was broken out the last year, right? Malik Monk, who's still on the team. Uh, but they want a defensive center. And the kid out of USC, the defensive big who is out there, I think is the fly in the ointment with all of this. So if you can get a good plus price on LaMelo to go fourth overall, uh, that's hmm. something worth looking at, too. I would tie that in with your over two and a half and plus 190. I think that's a very good wager. You are you are reading my mind, my man. Uh, this is Jonathan Van Tobel from VEASAN Live down in Las Vegas. Let's look at some of the other NBA odds for the upcoming season. And the gambling public, big fans of the Brooklyn Nets, we know they have Kyrie Irving, we know they have Kevin Durant, and the rumors percolating about potentially James Harden joining to form quite the super team. If you're looking at value in the Eastern Conference, we have the Nets, we have the Bucks, who made two huge moves late last night. Where would your money lie at this point if you were betting on one team to come out of the East as far as value goes? So it, it's kind of tough, right? Like, it, it, because it's so dependent on whether or not Harden is going to go to Brooklyn, right? And we don't have official word yet, so let's take Milwaukee, for example. If you like Milwaukee and what they did, which I can understand why you would, they improved uh, their team, you know, the amount of improvement we can argue with and talk about, right? Uh, but if Brooklyn does not get James Harden this season and in this offseason, then I would say in range of like 7-1, to one, which you can find with Milwaukee in some spots, I would say go grab that plus 750 because by the time the season progresses, I think we're going to be talking about like 350, 3-1 with Milwaukee because we know they take the regular season seriously. I think by far they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. Having said that, if Brooklyn gets James Harden, you're going to be able to get 6-7-1 to one on Milwaukee throughout the season because I believe, and I think the, the books will agree, that makes Brooklyn by far the best team in the Eastern Conference, one of the best teams in the NBA. I believe Harden's going to buy into the role. So if that's the case, then you can get that price in Milwaukee, and you're going to want to look at Brooklyn in the range of like 6 7 to 1. So really it's all about reading between the tea leaves and whether or not you think this is going to happen. It seems more likely than not that it's mm-hmm. going to happen. So if you do like Milwaukee, then I just sit back and just kind of wait. Like I did it last year with the Clippers. They were like 3-1 to one all season, plus 350 by the time you got to the postseason. You were able to invest then, and ultimately it doesn't work out, but you got the best price at that point, you know? Yeah, and I wonder if there perhaps might be some value on the Sixers because it's almost underreported at this point. Harden named two teams, Brooklyn and Philly. We know his former GM, Daryl Morey, is there over in Philly, and they have the asset to go out and get him if they want. I guess just the question is, does Philly want to go out and give up Ben Simmons in order to get James Harden, Ben Simmons plus probably? And that is a question that I'm not sure the answer is, but I guess we'll see how it all plays out. The NBA, no shortage of interesting storylines, and that would also apply to the NFL. Let's move to Week 11, Jonathan. And Drew Brees, we know he's out this week. His ribs and his lungs, not in good shape. He'll be out for the next couple of weeks. We know the New Orleans Saints, they're going to turn to 
at least some combination of Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill as they prepare for the Falcons, who are coming off a bye. They have two straight wins due Atlanta, and the Saints currently favored by five points. What is your take on this game at this point, Jonathan? Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm looking a little bit at New Orleans. And look, like Jameis Winston goes into that game, doesn't look overly impressive. Uh, but I think we have to understand, right, coming into a game like that is a little bit of a tougher situation. You're working with a game plan that's suited around Drew Brees. I think when we look at what Sean Payton wants to do next week, this is going to be a team that's going to open it up a little bit more. And you now have a quarterback who can consistently throw the ball downfield. I think you're going to see a different version of this team. You know, you have to ask yourself, too, right? We always get into these conversations. How much is a quarterback worth to a point spread? But betters have to remember, it's not how much a quarterback is worth to a point spread. It's what's the difference between the quarterback and the player behind him. This look-ahead line was New Orleans minus 7.5. We get to this week with the Drew Brees injury. We're looking at 5. There's a couple of spots that have 4.5. Do you think Drew Brees to Jameis Winston is 3 points? I think it's right around there, maybe a little bit less, but I'm higher on Jameis Winston than most. So I would say there's slight value here on New Orleans if it dips below that 5. We're talking like 4.5 or even 4. So the New York Jets, like the Atlanta Falcons, are coming off a bye, and if you acknowledge the Jets even having a chance to win, even having a chance to cover a game, a lot of people look at you with side, like, is this guy completely crazy? But I'm looking at the Jets this week. They head to L.A. to play the Chargers, and Chargers have had a ton of heartbreaking losses this year, but they have just two wins against the Bengals and the Jags, and they're favored by 8.5 points when I last checked. Call me crazy, but... I think I like the Jets this week, not only to cover, but perhaps, perhaps put up their first win of the season. Take my pulse, Jonathan. Am I crazy? Uh, I don't know about the win, but I would agree with you. Look, I've been on the Jets three times this year. It was both Buffalo games, (laughs) and it was that Patriots game on Monday night. And I think this is another spot, right? Because, again, like, look at the Chargers. You brought up their issues. If you look at some of the uh, the metrics with them, their offense is not very efficient. They're in the bottom half of the league, just barely, but they're about 17th if you look at some efficiency ratings. And this is a run defense that the New York Jets quietly have that have been one of the better ones in the National Football League. They can make the Chargers a little one-dimensional. Herbert's been inefficient with the short to intermediate routes. He's great on deep balls, but he's got nothing in between. So I think this is a spot where the Chargers, I, I don't know if the Chargers are overvalued or the Jets are undervalued, but however you want to slug it, uh, like I would look at the Jets catching eight and a half in this spot. I think that's well worth your uh, well worth your investment. And look, it's at eight and a half right now, so you're talking about you can tease that up to 14 and a half and then look somewhere mm-hmm. else. Right, um, wherever you want, if you want to add another leg to it, so that's always another possibility too. I just wonder which version of the Jets we will get. Is it the first three quarters against the Patriots Jets where they look great, and then the fourth quarter I think they had four yards of total offense. So perhaps we'll find out on Sunday. Jonathan, thank you as always for doing this. I uh, love having you as part of our program. Hope we can do it again soon. Yep, you got it, man. Thank you. All right, that is Jonathan Van Tobel from VEASAN Live down in Las Vegas who does terrific work. And, I, man, I'm loving the Anthony Edwards going number one overall in the NBA draft. I don't understand why people believe LaMelo Ball is going to go first. The smoke screens are not even coming through for LaMelo. And if you look at all the mock drafts from the most prominent of NBA draft guys like Chad Ford, Jonathan Wasserman, Jeremy Wu, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, they've all got... Edwards going first, so unless there's some inside information floating down in Vegas, I think that will be the ultimate result. The Big E, Eric Cohen, with a rare Tuesday night appearance on The Edge, next.
When you hear the hip on the edge here on TSN 1050, there's a pretty good chance our guest is going to be the big E, Eric Cohen, one of the top contributors for TSN Edge. Make sure to check out all of his terrific work on tsn.ca and everywhere you can find any type of content at TSN. Let's welcome him in. What's up, man? How are you? Doing great. How you doing, Aaron? And yes, I do love the hip. I I, I saw them like 12 times live in concert, and I saw Gord's last performance uh, here in Toronto, uh, right before he passed, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, I do love my hip. I was uh, in attendance. They played three shows at Scotiabank, the final tour in Toronto, right? They did, that's right. And I actually saw them at um, Massey Hall. He was doing a, like a small intimate thing. Uh, he was really sick at the time. It was right before he passed. So it was, just, it was nice to see him, uh, unfortunately, obviously gone too soon. Well, you can never have enough hip, and um, we love the hip here, and we love Thursday Night Football. Oh, terrible segue. All right. Well, <laughs> well what can you really do? I, I do my best here. Thursday Night Football, it's the Cardinals at the Seahawks, and Seattle is a three-point favorite. The Cardinals game against the Bills on Sunday uh, must have been pretty heartbreaking for you, Biggie. I know you're a Bills fan, but what a game it was. And the last time the Cards played the Seahawks, 37-34 in OT in favor of the Cards. The Seahawks three-point favorites this time around. Where is your lean, Big E? Well, this line tells you the difference between where these two teams were the last time they met, right? Because the last time they met, Seattle was a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in Arizona. And, you know, under normal circumstances, that would mean, on a neutral site, Seattle's a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. In Seattle, it's nine-and-a-half, right? So now it's very different. Seattle's now lost three or four games. That was the first game they lost was that primetime game they played against Arizona uh, after they started the year 5-0, and now they've lost 3-4. of four. But, you know, a lot of things have gone wrong for the Seahawks since that Arizona game. Uh, you think about the running back situation. They haven't had, um, obviously, Carson and High the last few weeks. They're supposed to get Chris Carson back this week, which I think was going to help take a lot of pressure off Russell Wilson, who struggled, right? Russell Wilson, I mean, he was. it seemed like he was a lock to win MVP going into that Arizona game. And then in the Arizona game, he threw three interceptions, including a key one in overtime, which uh, allowed Gonzalez to kick the game-winning field goal. So much happened in that first primetime meeting. I can't wait for the second primetime meeting. I mean, these two teams, there's they're so so many weapons on offense. Arizona's defense is getting better. Seattle's defense, I didn't think, played terribly against the Rams, but uh, that's been an Achilles heel to the Hawks all year. So I think Seattle, to be honest, I think, you know, laying three at home, I think Seattle probably writes the ship this week in a really tough game and a over under of 58 points so this should be a cornucopia of scoring i can't wait to watch that game which will be on tsn and airing live on tsn 1050 now one of the things we love to do as guys who really like to gamble on the nfl is look ahead to the following week a little bit early maybe on saturday or sunday you look ahead to the following week of games and this week, there's been some serious fluctuation from last week's look-ahead lines to what has been posted on the board for week 11. What did you notice about that? You are 100% correct. I, I don't think I can remember a week where I've seen so many teams where you had one team favored the week before, and it's sort of reversed by the following week. But think about it. 
Uh, you know, in the look-ahead spot, the Texans were laying two and a half against the Patriots. The Patriots go and beat the Ravens, and now all of a sudden, you know, it's the Patriots laying two on the road in Houston. Houston, of course, just two and seven, and only two covers. The only two covers they uh, they have are against uh, well, actually, two covers. The only two wins they have are against Jacksonville. So that's one. You got Green Bay and Indianapolis. We saw Indy beat up on Tennessee Thursday night football, while the Packers struggles as a two touchdown favorite against. Jacksonville. So now Green Bay goes from being a two and a half point favorite against Indy to being a two and a half point dog at Indianapolis. A lot of people are really high now on that Colts defense. They got a lot of love on Thursday night for what they did against Tannehill and uh, King Henry in that game. Uh, you know, Philadelphia was initially only a two point dog against Cleveland. That number's up to three and a half after Philly lost outright to the Giants. Uh, the Saints obviously were a seven and a half point favorite before the Drew Brees injury. Now with Brees out, that number's all the way down to five. So, so much fluctuation, uh, between where these lines open. And, and another big one, Miami and, uh, Denver. Uh, Miami initially was a road underdog in Denver, but then after Drew Locke and the Broncos had four turnovers against the Raiders, and uh, Locke's now banged up and might not play, the Dolphins are a three-and-a-half point favorite on the road, so ton of, ton of line movement um, between where these lines were now uh, and where they were last week. The big E, Eric Cohen from TSN Edge, is our guest here on The Edge. And I want to go back to the Patriots, who shocked everyone. I will admit the Patriots, or the Ravens, I should say, were my bet of the year on Sunday night. And I blame the weather, Big E. Come on, it was raining too hard. That game should have been postponed. But the Patriots beat the Ravens, and now they head to Houston to play the Texans. You mentioned they were two-point favorites. I hate both of these teams. I think both of these teams absolutely suck. I don't know what to do with this game. I can't bet on the Patriots, but I cannot bet on 88-year-old Romeo Crennel either. Tell me what to do, Houston and New England. My early lean, as we say uh, with uh, Davis Sanchez, of course, on Tuesdays, uh, is, uh, is right now with Houston. I think getting points with Houston at home is the better play. I mean, you're right. I don't think New England would have beaten Baltimore under normal conditions. I don't believe in the Patriots. I mean, let's let's not forget. And everyone wants to say how great they are because they just beat Baltimore. Literally less than a week before that, they were down by 10 against the Jets in the fourth quarter on the verge of losing that game uh, until yep. Joe Flacco throws an ill-advised interception. And the Patriots, who, who can't throw the ball downfield the whole game, find a way to dink and doink. And, and you know, the Jets being the Jets, the Pats pulled it out. But I, I don't believe in the Patriots. I think still, I, I'll take Deshaun Watson at this stage of his career over Cam Newton at this stage of his career. Um, and, you know, Houston's defense actually played pretty well in Cleveland in that windstorm. So uh, right now I, I'd rather have points at home with Houston than take the Patriots on the road. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. And if you want to make a play on that game, I would look at the under. And I think there's going to be a lot of running the football in this game. New England runs it well. Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead, basically anybody with a pulse runs it for the Patriots. And Houston does not defend the run very well at all. You saw what Chubb and Kareem Hunt did in those inclement conditions on Sunday. I expect a lot of more ground and pound from the Patriots. All right, Biggie, let's get to Week 11 in NFL Survivor Pools. I'm still alive in mind. We do one on first up, um, our, whole, our whole team and all of our listeners. I believe there's 88 down from 789. It's brought to you by ProLine, I should mention. And I'm looking at the board this week, and it is a struggle. I've narrowed it down to the Chargers 
hosting the Jets and the Vikings hosting the Cowboys. Am I missing anything? And if you had to pick one, who are you taking? Well, here we are in week 11, and we're thinking about two teams that are below 500 as our survivor you know, picks. And I'm with you on both. I mean, I think... Pittsburgh would be a popular one if you have them, but I'm sure most people probably took Pittsburgh a couple weeks back when they played Dallas, and uh, they gave you a mild heart attack the way they started that game, but they did pull it out. Significant heart attack. Uh, So if you don't have Pittsburgh available, even though I I tend not to like taking survivor teams on the road, and they are a 10-point road favorite at Jacksonville this week, I I look at the Chargers. you know, not often do you take a two and seven team as a survivor pick, but this is obviously a play against the Jets. Uh, you know, the Jets are the Jets are a god awful football team. I mean, they really don't do anything well. I'm surprised they were as competitive as they were last Monday night against New England. But you know, the Chargers. I, I don't get how they are two and seven. Obviously, this week, once again, they lost by one score. Every one of their losses this year has been by one score. But this is probably their worst loss of the year because they were down early to two on the Dolphins. It was fourteen nothing early in that game, and uh, Herbert brought the Chargers back with a late touchdown to make it respectable. But overall, the Chargers' losses this year have been very painful. Obviously, the Saints, they blew a 17-point lead. Uh, they blew a big lead to the Chiefs. They were in position to beat the Raiders. Have, uh, you know, Two times a receiver can come down with the ball instead of letting the ground cause a fumble. They win that game. You know, So many times this year, the Chargers have lost games that you really expected that they should win. And, and if they play the way they're capable of, and Herbert plays the way he's capable of, they should be able to blow out the Jets. I don't know what it is, Biggie. When I woke up on Monday morning, I guess yesterday, I looked at it and I'm like, I think the Jets are going to beat the Chargers. And I can't really explain to you why because there's really no logic behind it. I mean, the Jets are coming off a bye. And with Adam Gase as your coach, I'm not sure if that's necessarily a good thing. But so is Dallas. And I think they're getting Andy Dalton back. And I I think the way I'm looking at my pick here, I just think Dallas is better than the Jets, so you have to take the Chargers. I, I just can't see a way in which you take Minnesota, who's playing well. Minnesota's definitely playing well, but Dallas is a much superior opponent than the Jets are. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to get out of Dallas, right? Because you thought Dallas had hit rock bottom uh, a couple weeks ago after they lost to the Eagles on Sunday night with uh, Danucci, but then they go and they make the they make the change the following week, and Gilbert played really well against the Steelers. I mean, a couple breaks go Dallas's way, and they win that game as a fourteen point underdog. So uh, I don't know what you're going to get out of Dallas after the buy. And you're right, I haven't heard for sure if Andy Dalton's back. I know he had you know he had the concussion against Washington. Then he had he was on the COVID list the following week. I haven't heard. Um, Mike McCarthy guarantee that that Dalton's back. So I don't know what they're doing there, whereas I think you know what you're going to get out of the Chargers. And listen, they they did beat... The last time the Chargers played a bad, bad team, they beat Jacksonville. So they did what they were supposed to do. Uh, So you've got (laughs) to hope for the best and ride with the Chargers, in my opinion. Al's brother suggesting perhaps the Lions, if Teddy Bridgewater misses the game, and he's questionable. You used to, you probably have P.J. Walker at quarterback for Carolina, who was an XFL star. XFL was your old moniker, Al's brother. Uh, do you want to explain your affinity for P.J. Walker to our audience? P.J. Walker was an absolute stud in the XFL. I don't <laughs> think he's going to be an absolute stud in the NFL Therefore, and I'm just thinking, I don't even know if I feel comfortable with this pick, but possibly could you 
think about taking the Lions in this situation. Like, you got no McCaffrey, you got no Bridgewater. You can't feel comfortable about them going into a game against the Lions here. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. I think you got to take the Chargers. I yeah. just think that's what you have uh, to do. As far as the Lions go, this is the same Lions team that was up 24 to 3 against Washington at home on Sunday <laughs> and uh, allowed somehow allowed Washington to tie that game and had to win it on a 59-yard uh, Matt Prater field goal. This is coming from someone who had the Lions minus 3 and a half. I had so many bad beats Oof. last week. I was ready to throw something through my television watching that Washington comeback. I don't trust Matt I don't trust at all Matt Patricia and this Lions team to do anything in Carolina, even without uh, Teddy Bridgewater, you know they still have a lot of weapons on offense, and and the Lions are on the road in that game too. So even though the Lions have been better on the road and they've been at home, I wouldn't take the Lions in that spot. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It was a really odd weekend for bad beats. You talk about the Cleveland situation with Nick Chubb going out at the oh. one, and what happened in the end for the kneeling of the extra point in Seattle or in uh, sorry Arizona, Arizona and Buffalo, and then what you mentioned. Yeah, what an odd weekend, and hopefully we have uh, the beats on our side in Week 11, Big E, and we always appreciate you coming and doing the show for us, and it's great to have you as part of it, so thank you for the time. Thanks, Aaron. Much appreciated. All right, that is the Big E, Eric Cohen from TSN Edge. Make sure to check out all of the great content, tsn.ca slash edge, tsn underscore edge on Twitter. When we return... Massive shift in the odds on the NFL's MVP. The man who was the favorite all season, no longer the favorite. We'll give you the lowdown next on The Edge. All right, well, for the entire season, it seems that Russell Wilson has been the favorite, the betting favorite to win the NFL's most valuable player. Well, I can report as of 7.50 p.m. on this Tuesday evening, he is no longer the betting favorite. That now belongs to Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's plus 180, followed by Russell Wilson at plus 250, Aaron Rodgers coming in at third at plus 325. Kyler Murray skyrocketing up the odds board was 22 to 1 prior to the Hale Murray. Now 6 to 1 is Kyler Murray of the Cards and Tom Brady plus 2,000 lagging behind. So you have a four man race. You have Mahomes, you have Wilson, you have Rodgers, and you have Kyler Murray. If you were placing a bet, Al's brother, on one of those four quarterbacks, who are you placing it on? I Last week I went with Aaron Rodgers, and I think I'm going to stay with Aaron Rodgers just because of the value at plus. I think would plus 300 is the, the odds that I, yeah. see, that I see here. And at plus 300, I like that value more than plus 180 for Patrick Mahomes. So if I'm making a bet, I'm looking to get value out of it. And like I said, Rodgers, when it comes to choosing the, the MVP, I think he's definitely more valuable to his team than Mahomes, and if they have a, a great end of the season, uh, I think Rodgers has a good chance to, to get there, because he only has, I think, what, one more interception than Patrick Mahomes? I think two after this past week, because he threw two, one. Yeah. So just two more interceptions than Mahomes, and actually is thrown for, if not the same, more touchdowns than Mahomes. So he hasn't really been that far off of Patty Mahomes himself. 
So we'll talk about Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs who are coming off a bye and heading to Vegas to play the Raiders in just a moment. Yeah, Mahomes is has a 25 touchdown to one interception ratio at this point in the season. We know what the Chiefs have done offensively. We know their um, their ability to win football games. That goes without saying. But Rodgers is 26-3, to and you think about a lot of the injuries that have been suffered on the offensive side of the ball, and Green Bay's defense sucks, and Rodgers has been able to cover up a lot of those warts. I agree with you. I think there's value on Rodgers. Wilson, though, I mean, it was a it was a lock almost, it seemed, for most of the season that Wilson was going to be the MVP, the whole narrative throughout the, the early parts of the season that Russell Wilson had never, had never received an NFL MVP vote, and I'd be hesitant to to write him off at this point. But going back to Mahomes, and here's why I think he's going to win it. If you look at what happened last year for the Kansas City Chiefs after their bye, they went on an absolute tear, an absolute tear. So they went 8-0 straight up and against the spread with an average win margin of 16.6 points after their bye last season. That from our buddy Joe Osborne of Odds Shark. So that streak started with a 40-9 win over the Raiders. And, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs off a bye playing the Raiders this week. I think they are primed to do some serious damage this week. They are, I saw them at six and a half, seven point favorites on the road. I really like the Chiefs. And if you talk about teasers, which we did with Jonathan Van Tobel of VEASAN Live earlier in the show, you talk about including the Chiefs just to win, maybe a six and a half, a seven point tease. All right, are you with me on the Chiefs this week, Al's brother? Yeah, 100%. And this is the lone blemish that the Chiefs have on their record is the game won against the Raiders in their own barn. Exactly. They're going to want to get a lot of revenge, especially after hearing this uh, this story about how the Raiders took a little bit of a victory lap around the building just to rub it in. So you know that Andy Reid and the Chiefs are definitely going to want to get their hands on the Raiders and get a big, big statement victory here. And one of the things about Andy Reid, his record against teams coming out of buys, both straight up and against the spread, as good as any coach in the National Football League. So you're going to want to look at the Chiefs minus the points as the road favorite. Quickly, I want to go back to a final look at the NBA draft odds for tomorrow night, a event you can listen to on TSN 1050. You can watch it on TSN, and it's not the sexiest draft. There's no LeBron James. There's no Anthony Davis in this draft, but there is money to be made because I'm looking at LaMelo Ball as the favorite to go number one. I believe it will be Anthony Edwards, and could I be wrong? Absolutely. I've been wrong many times. Not as wrong, not as many times as Al's brother's been wrong, but pretty close. And when you look at this, I think there is value on Anthony Edwards to go number one. And another prop I like, I like LaMelo Ball to go higher than 2.5 in the draft, meaning you're taking the over 2.5 on his draft pick. You can get plus money on that. I expect him to go number three or number four tomorrow night. And if I'm wrong, we'll be back on Friday evening to recap all the madness and look ahead to Week 11 in the NFL. I am Aaron Karolnik. It's been a pleasure spending this last hour with you. Thanks to Jonathan Van Tobel. Thanks to the Big E, Eric Cohen. Thanks, as always, to the man behind the glass, the brains of this operation. It's Al's brother, Mike DiStefano. I even said your given name, Al's brother. What do you make of that? I guess that's what I I deserve for being so terrible last night with my pick.
on Overdrive. They should just start calling you Mike DeStefano. They what should. Do you think of that? They should strip, I'm me, gonna, I'm, strip me of my nickname <laughs> and just go by my, my you know, given name by my parents. Yes. But yeah. hopefully that doesn't happen. What I, do I your parents think of, uh, of Al's brother? They didn't get it at first. They were quite confused but at this point <laughs> they're in with the with the joke and you know it's it's turned out into a decent career to be quite honest with you so well, that's they're, what they're i like okay to hear it. you're a star buddy it's a pleasure being on with you every tuesday and friday look forward to doing it again on friday night i'm aaron karolnik you've been listening to the edge here on tsn 1050